The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. Got the whole crew with us this week. I'm your host, Jordan Hill, Rusty Mansell, and Kip Adams. We are all here because the countdown is on. We are one day away from spring practice opening. It's going to be a busy few weeks as we continue uh, watching Georgia as I get ready for G-Day on April 15th. Rusty, uh, coming off a of vacation, I was kind of hoping you're going to be tan and, and looking no. nice, but but how was the vacation? Get a little bit of a break. Well, fortunately, I had tickets from a buddy of mine. We were in a suite, so I stayed in the shade and hydrated and watched people hit golf balls in the 17 at Sawgrass, so that was nice. But um, you see that course, and you think you realize why it gives people problems on 17. It's literally you're, hitting, you're in a bowl, and the hole's not very big, and – Wednesday was awesome because they make the caddies hit as well. And you could look at a caddy and we were kind of dollar betting up there. I was like, there's no way this guy's hitting it on. And like, and you could tell, and he would just, you could see the nerves in those, those guys, but uh, that was a fun event. I saw some schools on the way down. Uh, I got a chance to see some schools and um, obviously I could, couldn't pass that up for going through South Georgia, but the, you kind of look at it to unplug one last week and knowing that basically from now until the end of June, uh, before that that next dead period uh, for the month of July almost. There's going to be a lot going on content-wise for us, and then you start talking about recruiting and all those things. So it's it's kind of go time starting today. No doubt about it. Kip, uh, how is uh, the day treating you before it's all hands on deck with spring ball opening tomorrow? I'm looking back at Rusty's 12 season in Georgia trying to figure out how we got our the pollening 
and before third winter came back and flipped it a little bit you know i saw the pollen on the front porch thought all right actual springs here no we, we i mean i thought we i think we hit like 59 we have a freeze warning for tonight what on earth is going on like the seven day forecast is even more depressing it's like 15 to high i mean it's like i was 85 at last week on tuesday in florida man it felt i felt alive and you get out of the car at Bucky's and when Warner Robbins is is fifty, you're like, what in the hell happened? I'm yeah, so, I so. got I got the fishing gear all set up last oh, week. Yeah. I was like, I'm set, man, and yeah. now I'm freezing my butt you, off. Be ice fishing tomorrow. You had to cut a hole in that lake. You got it right. You got it right. Hopefully, it'll be here. Maybe it'll be here by the time we get a little bit of downtime, which won't be until mid-April once they're done with spring practice. Uh, we're having this podcast today as a mailbag episode for everyone who's got questions going into spring practice. This seems like the opportune time to answer some of those. We pulled a bunch from our board. I would tell everybody who is watching this live, drop any questions you've got in the comments. and We'll kind of toggle between questions from our board over at the junkyard and also questions for the people watching live. So we're going to start with this one. I will throw this one to Kip, and it's from King George, who asked, which one of the early enrollees makes the biggest impact during the spring or G-Day? Rusty, who is someone, or if there are multiple people, uh, that you kind of got your eye on that you think can make some noise uh, during spring? Um, two ways to answer this, and I'll back it up, I guess, best both ways. Um, position of need is outside linebacker, and I think Damon Wilson's a guy um, – you know, for all indications, you know, from what I've heard, you know, through the through the uh, month of February, through workouts, some of the stuff they have done, he has kind of separated himself right now as a guy that, that, that there's there's open minutes there. It doesn't mean other people aren't performing. They just got experienced guys. I mean, if you're playing tackle right now, you're not getting in front of Marius Mims. Monroe Freeland is looking good, but right now he's going to be kind of behind some guys. Uh, but there's opportunity there. At that outside linebacker position, Marvin Jones Jr. is not participating this spring. Uh, Chaz Chambliss is coming back, but you lose Nolan Smith and Robert Beal. So there's some, some spots there at those positions. And I think Damon Wilson's a guy um, that I, he's the athlete we kind of thought he was. He's explosive. He's strong. There was a reason this thing was Georgia, Ohio State for several months. And both schools knew this guy was, you know, he was a dude. And right now, if you want to talk about a guy that I think can help Georgia, I'm very interested in what he does this spring uh, through some reps, put these pads on. But what I hear about Daniel Wilson, this guy is creating some early, early buzz. Kip, anybody that you're particularly interested in, someone that could wind up in the mix by the time we get to G-Day? You know, uh, when we did our breakout uh, performers, I, I look back now and I actually – don't think I picked an actual true freshman on my list, which feels like I took the easy way out six times. But, you know, uh, you gave me all those uh, chances to, to build, you know, a really, really strong draft. And I think the voting kind of uh, showed that, uh, you know, over the next day. But looking back, you know, I want to see A.J. Harris. I think he's a guy that, uh, you know, you look at that cornerback spot opposite of Kamari Lasseter. Uh, I, I put, chose Dalen Everett as my breakout candidate because I thought, you know, he showed the most so far that he is positioned to 
just have an opportunity to earn that spot. But, you know, they still have to go out there and, and compete. And we mentioned now in green as well. Uh, but I think A.J. Harris is a guy that can come in and, and really, you know, make some bu- buzz for himself with, with a strong spring that could carry over into the fall. So I just I do think he, he is a guy that, you know, can get out there and and, and impress and, and really, you know, make a, a name for himself uh, over the summer. You know, it, you know, if if not now, but, you know, heading into the fall, he's just a guy that, you know, I want to see out there and want to see kind of what he can do and, and what he brings to the table. Because, you know, just like Rusty, you know, said earlier, as far as uh, Georgia's edge rushers they brought in, which, I mean, they brought in three top 50 guys. Uh, they also brought in, I mean, several other five stars that we think are going to make an impact. And I think A.J. Harris is just one of those guys that, uh, you know, uh, if given uh, the opportunity to – earn some playing time he's got the skill set that kirby smart's really looking for in that secondary i meant to mention this kip you talked about the voting uh, for what we did last week with our breakout teams team kip won the vote 51 percent to 49 i think there might have been some buying us some votes there (laughs) stop the count stop the count but hey it honestly i thought we could i hadn't got my starbucks card yet by the way (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's in the mail (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You, hey, as a son of two postal workers, uh, you know, you just got to wait it out. It'll get there eventually. That, that uh, link got sent out to a lot of people. I just I text everyone I, I could on that one. It was too close for comfort there at the end. <laughs> uh, I, I had an answer for this question. I wanted to get y'all's opinion. And the question is from Yo Pickle J, who says, which player stands the most to lose this spring? I thought this was a pretty interesting question and not always how we sort of take this. And I think my answer would be Carson Beck because it's yep. presumed going into this that he is the QB one. I'm expecting obviously a competition. All three of those guys, Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift, Gunnar Stockton as well. I think my answer would be Carson because of how he is perceived going into this and how all three of those guys are going to be scrutinized, but him specifically. Uh, Kip, it seems like you agree with me. What do you think about that as uh, Carson being the answer? Yeah, I when I saw that question, that was immediately what popped in my head that, you know, they got 15 practices. We've kind of said all offseason, we thought because of him being the number two last season, he's got that leg up going into this. But at the same time, it's a competition. And so there's 15 opportunities, if not, you know, for the other quarterbacks on the roster to completely change our perception of this quarterback battle. So we could come out of spring saying, this looks like Brock Vandegrift's job to lose. I mean, or Gunnar Stockton can go in there and show that his familiarity with, with, with Mike Bobo has paid off, and he looks like kind of a, a similar fit to what we saw in Stetson Bennett last year. So while Carson Beck's gotten the, you know, the most opportunities and snaps so far, uh, that could go out the window real quick if these other quarterbacks, you know, go out there and shine and, and maybe Carson struggles a little bit. So uh, I agree with you. I think that that's kind of where my eyes immediately went. I was like this quarterback battle. I mean, anything can happen. And that's why we think it's one of those competitions that's probably going to go into the fall as well. Rusty, your thoughts just on the quarterback situation on the whole as we get ready for spring. I mean, that's a, that's a no brainer. I think if you want to go maybe, B or C to that, I would say Kendall Milton because he's kind of waited his time. He's been on, you know, he's had some injuries and those types of things. He seems healthy. Like this is his time to really take that step forward and claim those minutes. Does he allow 
Branson Robinson? Does he allow, you know, Dejon Edwards? Does he allow? Listen, I've heard some buzz out of this Roger Robinson from the true fresh from California. So, you know, <clears throat> at what point do you, does he, does he take those minutes and let everybody else fight for quote unquote scraps or does he open things up and um, allow some other guys to, you know, continue to cut in those minutes. So no question, the quarterback battle with Carson Beck and those three guys, uh, if you want to do like a little side note, kind of interested in Kendall Milton, does he, does he take that step forward now that he's healthy uh, under a new offensive coordinator, uh, Mike Bobo. So we'll see. That's one of the things that I'll be watching as well. I think that's a fair point with Kendall. And, you know, you look at the numbers and obviously he didn't have quite as many carries as some of the other backs, but he wound up leading the SEC in yards per carry and a big part of that, like I said, but he finished the year on a high note. And I think that's a good point to point out how he's able to do as a perceived number one back. Uh, Go to the next question from Dog Life 706. Uh, I'll throw this one to you, Kip. Who's most likely to emerge as an all SEC player on offense and defense? Who are some of those guys? And, And to me, you can take this question as someone who has already contributed, but maybe can take a step forward in this upcoming season. Well, I'll start on defense. Uh, Kamari Lasseter. I just think he's a guy that showed last season that, you know, he's battle tested. And we, we talk about that, you know, uh, a couple of years in a row, George has kind of had an established lockdown, if not just a CB one out there. And then, you know, the other, the other quarterback out there would, would get targeted and tested by other teams because I mean, they don't, they don't have any, choice for most of the snaps and early on in the season you knew Kamari Lasseter wasn't backing down from any matchup you know regardless of who was lining up uh, in front of him he, he was ready to step up and for the most part I, I thought he played really really strong out there a stabilizing force in that secondary and now coming back is someone they're really going to rely on uh, I think he might be that guy this year that we don't hear a lot about because you know you have a new face in there as the other cornerback and usually in those situations it's because uh the other guy's playing in an all-conference level so i really think he's got you know a chance to really step up and and be a big-time player and you know it's uh it's difficult on the offensive side i mean uh you know without just going straight to quarterback and you know uh trying not to pick you know either of the transfers you know it it is tough because I, i think you got a deep wide receiver room now. And and so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to the offensive line, and I think that, uh, you know, Amarius Mims, wherever he ends up starting, whether it's left or right tackle, I think Georgia's starting to kind of have a revolving door there where you have a guy that basically comes in and, and starts for one season and then goes off and is a high draft pick. You know, they've had, you know, several in a row now that have just – really stood out there with Broderick Jones now gone, Amarius Mims, whether it's left tackle, right tackle. Uh, I think he showed in the college football playoff, he's set up for a big, big season. And we already know that, you know, the talent is there. What a big deal it was for Georgia to get him back out of that transfer portal last year. And I, I think he's kind of set up with a, with an offensive line that we think is, you know, basically returning four starters from the playoffs last year. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a strength uh, of this entire football team. And I think he's just going to be given a chance to, to really shine and, and, and put up some some really good film next season. I think those are two good options. Kip, any, or Kip, Rusty, anyone that stands out to you, um, guys that you think could be breakout players this year? Well, if it's breakout because he started last year, but I think Sal Munden is a guy that's just, he's just so fast and the game comes to him. Uh, you know, look at the sack. I think he had two sacks in the uh, semifinal game against Ohio State. And, 
Uh, I just think when you look at him, the game today is built for linebackers like him. He's only going to play faster because he's got another year under his belt. I agree with Kip 100% on Marius Mims. Uh, but I think Smile Munden, you know, Craig Lawson here in our comments makes a very good pick in Malachi Starks. I think that's another guy that another year under his belt, he's, you know, elite size and those types of things. Can he make that jump? But if you look at that, I, I, I would say Smile Munden. Um, Kamari Lasher's the guy, too, that, you know, this didn't get enough attention last year, but he will in the preseason when people start digging into tape and those types of things and what they got coming back. But I would go with Marius Mims and Smile Munden. I really like the smile pick. He was initially who I thought of. Another name I'll throw out there, Michael Williams. Having another year, I feel like he's got Correct. a chance to really, really shine there at defensive end. Interesting what they're going to do with him. They're going to play him hand up. They're going to play him hand down. Can they do both with him? Uh, this is a young man that um, is, is ultra talented, and um, you, it's hard not to look at that rep and a couple of reps against Paris Johnson, who I think is an unbelievable football player and left tackle there for Paris for Ohio State. and. You know, he kind of long-armed him, and that's hard to do. That tells you his reach because I've seen Paris Johnson in person, and, you know, for a true freshman to long-arm a guy like that and basically put him on his back for a sack in that game, you got to be excited about Michael Williams. Yeah, our guy Jordan Harris made sure to appreciate. He said we missed out on Michael. I, I, was, I was paying attention. I was taking notes there. <laughs> but, uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break, come back, answer a few more questions uh, before we wrap uh, this thing up and, and turn our attention to Tuesday. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, everybody. I'm going to put this one on a tee that we just got from Craig Lawson. Y'all think Brock Bowers will be good in 2023? I can Man, take that one. I'm going to go on a limb, and I'm going to say yes. I think he's going to be pretty good. I think Craig's on vacation, and he's enjoying a beverage somewhere. And Craig, you just you just keep doing, doing what you do, man. Have, have a great Monday, Craig. Uh, but still, it will be something to watch, Brock. Now he's coming back as the Mackey Award winner, and uh, I think there's no doubt he's going to put up another great season in his junior year. A uh, little bit tougher than uh, the one Craig just served up. Uh, Pantalones Rojas asks, who are our leaders stepping up to replace some of our losses, as in Stetson, Nolan, 
Uh, Kip, let's uh, start with you. Who are some of the guys you think make sense as far as guys who could step up as leaders on this team and are going to be counted on to kind of help in that leadership role? I mean, the guy that came back, the one that, you know, we thought might go to the NFL, Cedric Van Pran, that's an immediate alpha in that locker room, regardless of offense or defense. He's a guy that's going to, you know, command everyone's attention when he's talking. And I think they're going to lean on him a lot uh, next season. I, I really, you know, that was huge for Georgia, getting Cedric Van Pram back, you know, one of the top two, three centers in the entire country. And, and I think he's, you know, going to play a huge role next season. Uh, you know, as far as defense, it, it, there's some younger guys out there for sure. Uh, but again, I think, you look at the guys that, that stepped up in the big roles. You think, you know, Kamari Lasser, like you said, uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson's probably going to be that guy that, you know, uh, what, he is not afraid to tell it like it is. One of the more enjoyable guys that, you know, we got in interviews, which we got them all the time. It was interesting. Usually you get the, you know, the guys that kind of give the, you know, the robotic answers. The answers were, uh, you know, the – Everyone in the administration could feel safe knowing that there's not a single uh, quote that anyone can take out of context or take anything from. But uh, Pop, uh, he was unfiltered all season. And, uh, you know, it was refreshing to always know that they're, they're still going to send him out there, even though he's just being brutally honest sometimes. Uh, and But also just uh, the, the emotion that he speaks with when, when he's out there, you know, you know, just how passion he is and, and and how important it is for for Georgia's defense to play to the standards that Kirby Smart set for him he was definitely that guy uh, for Georgia last season when they you know when after that Ohio State game uh he, he let it all out there he did not hold back talking about how they performed and I think that you saw from the outcome of that TCU game uh you know they took it to heart and practice and made sure that, you know, it was a different outcome. So I definitely think he's going to be a huge influence in that locker room this season. The example I will always go back to with Jamon was after the South Carolina game. Remember, they win that one like 48-7, to seven, something like that. And on two different ends of where we were talking to players, Nolan Smith was on one end, Jamon was on another. And me and another reporter had asked to the two different players very similar questions about – you know, you guys didn't pitch a shutout, but, I mean, it was the backups that gave up a touchdown. Nolan and Jamon both took issue with that and was like, look, if you're on the field, you're a starter. We don't care if, you know, you're a two, you know, you guys see them as backups, but we count that just like it's us playing. And I thought that spoke a lot about Jamon, the fact that, look, that was Nolan Smith saying it on one end, and that's a guy that's been there, done that. Jamon was just going into, what, his third career start? And uh, he was saying a whole lot of the same things. I would expect Jamon to be uh, playing a very similar role. And you think about that Missouri game, I think it was the Missouri game where you saw him on the sideline kind of getting his teammates fired up, not really happy with how they were playing. Uh, I think Jamon is an ideal and, um, you know, probably the go-to answer, I would say, going into 2023. Yeah, I agree. I, I, everybody I talk to, it, <clears throat> there's several guys, but it starts with Cedric Van Pran. And, you know, that's what kind of – what I was writing about, you know, when he came back, it doesn't not only get an experienced player, but this is a guy that he has a locker room. He had, he was very involved last year, but you get a guy like that coming back and lead by example. This is, uh, this is definitely, uh, it takes more than one, but you want to start with a leader. It, it starts with Cedric Van Pram. Let's stay with the offensive line. And I'll throw this one to you, Rusty. There are a few different questions about specific guys that are we're looking at going at the offensive line. 
What do you make of this group going into Tuesday and what we'll probably see as they get in the mix, you know, the players trying to earn a starting role going into the spring? I think this is going to be the time that George is going to do some things to kind of see where, um, how much flexibility they have, how much depth they have that can play. Because the one thing is you're going to go against those number ones in practice uh, at Georgia, and you're not going to see many teams like that during the season. So what better value for Stacey Searles to see his group versus that D-line and those guys to say, hey, uh, you know, where do we measure up? Where are we actually at? I want to see if uh, Xavier Trust plays some, some, some tackle. Uh, you know, if Ernest Green can go at some point, you know, if he winds up being a guy this season, they keep Mims at right tackle, keep Trust at left guard, or they move Trust to right go- right tackle, move Mims to left tackle, and, uh, you know, who plays that guard position. So flexibility there, uh, you know, with what they're trying to do. So the tackle position, obviously a lot of questions there. Uh, you know, Blasky's a guy that, you know, people – kind of forget about sometimes and he's he's getting some looks as well in in, in the depth and uh, he's definitely too deep at some point um and can he play center could he play tackle uh michael morris here from jordan harris uh, i was actually at camden county last week and you know he's a guy that i think uh i think can play and uh you know dylan fairchild they got some depth there where can they get these guys in so you know, it's kind of a good problem, but I think the question is going to be who is going to line up these tackles and what kind of flexibility does Marius Mims go left or right? My personal opinion going into practice right now, uh, and maybe we'll see tomorrow, is that Marius Mims is going to stay at right tackle for right now. We'll see where it goes. So uh, a lot of things to be answered, but the good thing for Stacey Searles is they're going to be across from some dudes all spring. Uh, that that are high level, one of the best defenses in the country. So he's going to get good tape, and he's not going to have to wait to preseason. He's going to know where he's at and where he, you know, what guys can go at the end of spring practice. Probably going to be some very interesting mixing and matching over these fifteen practices, no doubt. Yeah, yep. uh, Kip, I'll throw you this one from Jordan Harris. Who is our leading receiver among the wide receivers? What do you expect to see among this group? That's Got a really interesting mix between some of the guys coming back. You got the two transfers from SEC schools, and you got some really interesting and intriguing freshmen coming in, the three they signed out of high school. I mean, the only thing I can guarantee is whoever we predict it won't be. You know, we're going into year three of uh, whoever we thought was the wide receiver one just not playing a role in the uh, – you know, a real big role in the season. So – you know, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be the harbinger of doom there and pick somebody and then you know uh, set them up. But I, I think you, you have to look at just uh, you know what Dominic Lovett brings to the table uh, as a guy that can kind of you know make a lot of different things happen. Uh, you know, I, he could play in the slot, but he could also play outside, and I think that's going to kind of be key because you know when you first, when you ask the question my thoughts just go to lab mcconkey and everything he did last season when they needed somebody week in a week out he proved he could be that guy had some you know early on the season i kind of had the i guess the yips a little bit but you know really overcame that and played a pivotal role in georgia's you know second national championship season but uh, you know I, I really just love what dominic love brings to the table and if he shows out uh you know in the spring uh, i think he could be a guy they move all around, whether, you know, whether it's X, Z. I just think that even though he's not the biggest guy, like 5'10", 180, I, I just think that his ability to stretch the field is 
and, and make big plays after the catch. This is something that Georgia's needed in this offense uh, for a couple years now. So I, I just think overall, you know, that's a guy that you really want to see out there and see what he can do. And if he lives up to the billing, uh, he could be that, you know, th- that dynamic playmaker in, in this offense, regardless of who's at quarterback. Question from our board from Buffalo Dog who asked about Andrew Paul's health. Uh, Andrew talked to reporters before the Peach Bowl and sounded like he was very optimistic going into spring. And to me, he's going to be a really interesting, I don't know if it's fair to say X factor, but just someone to watch coming into that room where you know that depth is so important at running back. And, you know, based on what we had heard going into fall camp, he was putting together a pretty good fall camp when he got hurt. Um, So he's going to be someone for sure when we get out there. If we get to watch any of practice, I want to get a chance to see Andrew Paul and, and see how he looks going into his redshirt freshman year. I think they're going to take their time with him. Um, he's going to do some running around, but I'm not expecting him to be in pads, you know, bumping and thudding and those types of things. Um, yeah, he had a really good fall camp. Unfortunately, that thing happened to him, but it does. But I, I still think he's a little bit – he is definitely, from what I've confirmed, doing some some jogging. He's not doing any type of cutting or anything right now yet, and that's still – he's still on – the, the right time frame. So nobody get in panic mode there. Uh, ideally, you want to think about June. He got hurt in August. So you think the end of May, June, you start doing those cuts and those types of things, and you're able to do all the summer conditioning, and then you're ready for fall camp. So this is not like it's make or break for him, um, but but you certainly uh, – not, I'm not expecting to see him taking any, you know, live reps of spring, but he is going, you know, from my understanding, doing some jogging and those types of things. And that is right on. Not everybody's Adrian Peterson and get, you know, do a, a six month ACL recovery, which is super freaky. But uh, for everything, he is right on target. He will do some light running this spring, probably see him catching some balls or something. But as far as making cuts and doing those type of things, I'm not expecting that. Yeah, that uh, is one of those things, especially in spring ball. You want to be cautious. You want to work guys back because obviously the goal is to be ready once the fall gets here. Uh, Before we wrap this up, I want to go to each of us and I'll start with Kip. Uh, What are you most intrigued by going into this spring? What do you want to see? What really intrigues you the most about Georgia going into spring ball? I want to see the freshman edge rushers. I want to see what these guys bring to the table because I thought that was kind of an aspect of, you know, last year's defense that when when Nolan Smith went down, uh, you know, it, they had to kind of change what they were doing a little bit and find other ways to affect the quarterback. And obviously, as Rusty mentioned, Michael Williams played a huge role in his first year. Um, but at the same time, I think that's an uh, uh, a chance for them to potentially get more production and, and, and just – you know, get better in that position room. And the talent they have there right now is, is as good as we've seen it. And, you know, we know we know what they have in the inside linebacker room, what Glenn Schumann's done there. And we have some guys that we know what they can do in the secondary as well. Uh, I want to see if these guys can, you know, really t- push these offensive tackles in spring. And when I hear what the reports are in practice, you know, is, is, are, is Georgia having to switch up their, you know, their lineup just to give their quarterbacks time to get the ball down the field. You know, those are the kind of reports that I know fans usually get mad at, but I don't think there there is a way for, for you guys to cover it and not have the fans upset because uh, it's, it's pressure against pressure. You know, it's, it's, it's best on best. 
And so someone's got to lose the rep. Regardless of who loses the rep, fans are going to be upset about it and they're going to stress about it. And it's going to be an off season, you know, issue for, for Georgia. But, you know, that, that's what I want to see because, you know, uh, I think that's just, if Georgia's able to, to get into that backfield and have plays, havoc plays behind the line of scrimmage, uh, it's just, it, it makes life so much easier for everyone on that defense. It's kind of that, I mean, that's why uh, edge rushers uh, get paid the big bucks when it comes to NFL draft and why even a guy like Nolan Smith that, you know, missed, uh, you know, half the season, over half the season has a chance to be a first round pick because guys like that, I mean, you just don't have guys that explosive uh, that often. So let's see what the next group looks like for Georgia. Rusty, how about you? What intrigues you the most or an area of this team you're really going to be paying attention to during spring ball? I mean, it's the – I don't hate to be the easy answer, but, man, it's quarterback, you know, because if you look at the roster and then you look at the schedule and you say, man, if Georgia gets good quarterback play, I mean, we're sitting here, you know, trying to plan where everybody's going next December again because – their roster is built. Their schedule is very favorable. Um, you know, a couple potential hiccups there, but uh, it's going to come down to quarterback play, and, and we're all three going to deal with this. We haven't dealt with it in a while, but every single day, you know what's coming. What quarterbacks look good today? Who took the first reps? Who scored? And those types of things. I will address this. Craig Lawson asked a question. Will, will Bobo run the damn football? I, I think the one thing under Mike Bobo, and – the one thing under Todd Monk and that Georgia had an issue with last year was picking up short yardage. Georgia really at times struggled picking up that third and one. And a couple of times they went for it on fourth and one and didn't get it. And they got to the red zone and it, you know, they went through a window there during the season where they kind of struggled inside the five with that. Uh, I don't think with Mike Bobo short yardage is going to be a situation because uh, they're going to, they're going to bring a little bit more physicality there. Uh, and I look at a guy like Roger Robinson and Branson Robinson and maybe even Kendall Milton. Those are bigger backs. So you expect with those guys to be able to pick up one yard. And, and listen, Todd Monken was one of the best offense coordinators in the last how many years, even at Georgia. And this guy, this guy would shred you up. But if there was one thing that kind of was a pattern, they did struggle a little bit on that third and one and fourth and one, uh, especially this year's summit time. So uh, I think with George, you're gonna look at some of those things, and they're gonna be physical with that with that play there. And I think that's one thing that uh, you might, one change you will see with Georgia's. They're gonna put pad on pad uh, a lot in the spring. I guarantee they'll work on that. And as we get into fall camp, the fourth and ones will be a third and one will be something that Kirby Smart probably spoke with everybody with. Uh, as you start picking apart a season where you had one of the best seasons in the history of Georgia football, uh, you got to have something to work on. And I'm said, bet you short yards will be something to be a big focus of spring. Rusty, what do you think uh, having Tate Ravage just have another year healthy? And, and, you know, he, it seemed like he didn't get his, his legs under him until later in the year, really. So yeah. as far as short yardage, it feels like that's going to be an area where it really helps us having him back. And, I mean, he's a guy that's freakishly strong. So, yep. I think Tate was not 100% healthy. And, listen, that, that, you start talking about Liz Frank injury on a big man. The problem is it's weight-bearing. So that's the issue with someone like Tate coming back. And I bet if we set Tate down, who, by the way, that, that does a podcast with Ryland Goatee, and it was real talk football or something. Those guys do a – it's funny to watch. And it's really refreshing to see guys, you know, uh, just sit back and relax but and talk. But uh, I bet you if we asked Tate right now, man-to-man, what he felt like going into, you know, September last year, he'd probably tell you he struggled. And there was times that, you know – 
they held him out of practice, you know, multiple weeks in a row just to get him ready for games. So, you know, Tate Rattlers came back this year. You're going to see you get a complete offseason of him, and I think that's a great point, Kip, to see a guy that can move people. Um, you know, and, it, unless you see – everybody that – everybody – a lot of recruits that are like ninth graders or 10th graders that I personally know um, to come on, uh, to go to on the recruiting visits. I always like to reach back out to them because of one common denominator is I cannot believe how big those people are. Like where do those human beings come? Uh, and you see Tate Rattledge walk in, you see Xavier Truss walk in, you see Marius Mims walk in and you see these guys are all six foot six, six foot seven. It's just hard to believe. Uh, there's those type of humans, but that's what it takes to play at a place like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State uh, to be to look like that. But that's a great point, Kip. You know, Tate Rattler's a guy that doesn't get doesn't get a lot of publicity. But you want to talk about another guy that's kind of a leader and and a guy that commands respect. Um, known Tate for a long time, known since his eighth grader. Uh, you know, he, I know what kind of what, what he's cut from, and uh, he he's got a little of that juice in his neck too. He'll he'll get into somebody's rear end at practice. Since uh, Rusty took quarterbacks, I would stick with what Rusty was just talking about. And I'd say just the offensive line is sort of the area I want to watch is just where they kind of plug and play these guys. I mean, we could all sit here and ride out five different lineups that could work, but it's about getting the the right five, the right five guys together. I think it's going to be something that they really, um, you know, try a bunch of different combinations, see who fits best. And we'll kind of see what that looks like come G-Day because it could be something where, um, you know, what we expect going into spring, that might not be what it looks like come April 15th. Well, to that point, we're going to throw in real quick a Georgia men's basketball minute. All I'll say is as we record this a little bit after 1230 on Monday, the transfer portal is open. And as far as I know, it sure seems like the Georgia Bulldogs are going to be ready for business. So at this point, there have been no Georgia players go into the portal. I don't anticipate that's going to remain that case. When those guys are going to go in, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if about the time we sit down with Kirby Smart and company tomorrow that maybe some of those basketball players' names just happen to go in at that time. But um, it's going to be the, who's, who's the kid from Wofford? That's, that's that's kind of the buzz, I guess, is everybody's after him. Yeah, B.J. Mack. Yep. B.J. Mack's a guy. There's a few other guys, names that have been out there uh, that uh, I know one name that has not entered the portal that uh, seems like Georgia could be in the mix for that I think would be a really big help at guard. Uh, so we're going to be watching that one. But uh, it's definitely a very interesting time. And, and also to have this uh, come in at the same time as spring ball, you you just couldn't have it work out any better. To, to be doing this, we'll probably be watching some <laughs> offensive line drills and I'll get a message that somebody is, is going to try to come to Georgia. But we'll be all over it and we'll be ready for it, no doubt. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode. Appreciate everybody who watched this live, who is listening to it after the fact. And uh, be sure on Tuesday to keep an eye out for all our content. We'll be out there when Kirby Smart speaks. Uh, also, the players we get to talk to after that. If we get a practice availability, we're still waiting to hear word on that. There will be a practice report. I'll do a VIP observation story as well. And uh, that'll be the start of what's going to be a really busy few weeks as we go through seeing how much we get to really watch of this team, um, following what happens, especially once we get into these scrimmages later on in spring ball. But we'll have it covered. We'll be all over it. And uh, we'll make sure you guys don't miss a second of the action as we watch Georgia and uh, basically continue the countdown to G-Day on Saturday, April 15th. 
So uh, we'll wrap it up right there. Appreciate Rusty and appreciate Kip for popping on. Appreciate all the good questions and uh, appreciate you guys' support because we couldn't do it without you. So until next time, everybody take care. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.